0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: Come see The Boutique on Central in downtown Laurel for the best deals in women's fine clothing. Let us complete your one of a kind look at The Boutique on Central at 531 Central Avenue in downtown Laurel.
2: This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour.
2: Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your Radio Happy Hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio. And don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us. So we are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Today we get to talk about a cool subject, or at least I think it is, aquaculture education. I hope I said that right we're gonna ask the, the educator Brian Butler with Ocean Springs High School with the CTE program there they're up to some pretty cool things hey Brian hey how are you I am doing well did I get it right aquaculture
1: Yes, ma'am. Aquaculture education.
2: I is a new word. It's a new term I learned uh, today. And, well, I guess getting to know your program just a little bit better. And I think it is super cool. So how do you sort of explain that to people when they ask, what do you teach at Ocean Springs?
1: Uh, well, we basically do a, a regular agriculture type class, but we, we take the the corn or the soybeans or whatever crop you may be growing and we replace those with fish. So we are, we are farmers. Um, we do raise species and um, other things to be sold or to be used as a restoration type project as we do for a lot of the animals that we raise, but we are basically just fish farmers.
2: Which is a, it, it ha- lends itself to, I guess, the industries here in Mississippi, particularly I think catfish, but are there other aquaculture, I guess, job opportunities within Mississippi outside of catfish?
1: Uh, yes ma'am, we, we, we've started to work towards the, the restoration type aspect of it as well as one of our largest pushers now is the oyster industry. Uh, oysters have become a very, very large part of aquaculture as you've seen on off-bottom aquaculture places that have started popping up all over the place as well as our, uh, restoration efforts to get those back into the areas or anywhere that has had a lack of the oyster population over the recent years. So combine that with the engineering or the um, farming aspect of it and aquaculture is all over our coast. All of our coast and all over the state of Mississippi, not only for pond restoration or pond um, whenever you go to put fish back in there or anywhere that could be involved with any of that.
2: And this program is a partnership or collaboration with USM, so how does that work?
1: So uh, the USM gives us uh, many of our fish that we use, and they're there for that outside source of information for my students. They also are very, very helpful with our internships that we do. My program consists of year one, which is a freshwater. We deal with koi, catfish, and the striped bass. So my students that come in as year one students will begin raising those fish, start to learn about the husbandry of the fish, and then we will add in the concepts of their aquaponics systems. Aquaponics is basically using the wastewater from those fish to grow their vegetables and anything else that they may want to uh, incorporate with that. So what they'll do is use those plants as a means of extra filtration along with the systems. So my each one of my classes, give or take, is 26 to 28 students. And they will break off into three or four students per group. Uh, one of the best things and one of their favorite things is at the beginning of the year, they get to pick new group names. Uh, I get really exciting ones. I'm looking around at them now Fantastic Four, Lady Gargar. Um, they come up with all sorts of different names of that group, and those students will be responsible for those fish for the entire duration of their year. So, in usually in August or mid September, we'll get our fish. And then those students will work on those fish all the way to the end of the year. At that time, we will tag and release them. Um, In year two, they'll switch over to saltwater. And so saltwater would be more of a speckled trout, red drum, oyster-type scenario with them. They'll do the same thing without the plants. We usually use the oysters as that substitution. And then in year three is where USM comes into a large part of it, is we actually have a year three program to where usually eight to ten of my students will go and actually work during the school day as part of the Mississippi Work-Based Learning Program to work with those scientists and employees at the research lab to get that extra bit of um, aquaculture information that they crave.
2: It's so cool. I'm so jealous. Why didn't we have this in high school? How many of these uh, programs, these aquaculture uh, programs, or part, I guess, ag, are throughout Mississippi, or is it sort of geared towards
1: the Gulf Coast? We, we actually have two right now. I'm working on several more. We are a relatively new program in the state. I was approached in 2015 by the Department of Education about bringing back an aquaculture program to Mississippi. We originally had had one at Jefferson Davis uh, campus down on the coast in the early 2000s, but after Katrina, they disbanded it, and it was no more. And so, basically, whenever we were approached and got the idea, we decided to revamp everything that includes curriculum. We had to come up with different ways for the greenhouses, and all that stuff Have changed since the early 2000s. So, it was a rebuild process, and we're excited to add on. Um, shortly after that, Moss Point joined us. Moss Point has a very, very good aquaculture program, and they work on, uh, they work on algae species, oysters, and things of that sort. Um, Ignacio is the teacher over there, and he's got everything going really well and got everything together. We work on a lot of different projects together. But we are hoping to expand um, to several different schools in the next couple years. I don't know an actual number, but of the schools, I should say, but we are we're looking at probably three or four schools next year and then trying to add to it after that. I think
2: that's really neat and something for parents to think about or sort of look for or encourage their kids. I mean, I would have totally taken this class. This would have been something I would have been all over, Brian. And you mentioned, too, part of it is that you tag the fish. So is yes, that ma'am. for a long, um, long-term long sort of research study uh, on what we're looking for if they get caught or they get, you know, netted at some time? Or what's the it's, tagging for? It's
1: one of those things. It's one of those things for not only for data collection for the students, but also to see where their fish are traveling or if they survive and anything along those lines. You, we used to do a, what's called a, a pit tag in the operculum of the speckled trout, but the only way that we would be able to determine that that fish was tagged if we had a wand. So we would basically have to scan that fish and that information would come up. Uh, my students with help from Department of marine Resources have started doing what I call a spaghetti tag, but it's more or less the little tag that sticks out of the back of the fish. And those will be able to be caught by fishermen out in the water, and then they will be able to call in and give us their location, the size of the fish, and everything, so I can tell those students um, that their fish was caught. So now we will have, um, this year we released 735 speckled trout, 700 red drum, and 1,100 of the striped bass, and all of those fish were tagged. That's really so cool. So those fish, those fish will be Let's say I have a group in my year ones right now that they're called the city coys. And so the city coys have raised their fish. They actually had 127 striped bass that they were able to release back into the water. So if they get one and I say, hey, guys, um, 1193 was caught in North Van Cleve, 11 miles from where you released it, and now it's grown nine inches and gained two pounds. So they'll be able to be able to look at that fish from the beginning of when it was tagged up to this point and see growth rates and everything on it.
2: So cool. What was release day like? I mean, you're letting your little babies out into the water. Were the students excited?
1: Uh, they, were, they were excited, but it's kind, of, it's kind of bittersweet because they know that, one, uh, if they're year two students, they know that their time. If they're year two students and they're seniors, they know that their time in the greenhouse is coming to an end. And that's, uh, that's a big thing for them because they've been a part of it for three years. Um, but the, the the excitement of the new class is starting, and being able to get those fish back out into the water is one of their favorite things. We do do a competition to see who has the best survival rate and who has the largest fish. So they are in uh, competition for that. So they'll be screaming out sizes and numbers as we are collecting them to put in the haulers to bring to the research lab. So they'll say, you know, well, mine was this, and somebody will say, well, mine was this. And so they they are uh, very competitive about their the number of fish that they have at the end and how large those fish are.
2: Brian, is this an elective?
1: Uh, yes, ma'am. It's part of the CTE program, uh, the Career Technical Education. They actually receive an elective credit for the first year, and then after that, year two is one of their science credits, and then I'm working towards year three being actually a college level science credit. I just haven't gotten the Department of Education to agree with me on that as well.
2: Well hopefully they're listening to good things and I say give him two thumbs up for what he's doing there with uh, aquaculture education. Brian I think this is really neat. Um, I think it's something that more kids could be interested about even if it's just a gateway into what the different types of farming industries are here in Mississippi. Even if they don't go into it it gives you appreciation for nature as well which I think is really cool. Thank you for your time.
1: Absolutely. If you need anything else from me, you know where to find me.
2: All righty, you guys stick with us. We got more good things for you coming up next. You can watch Good Things. We are on your computer, your mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, even Amazon Fire TV devices and YouTube. You can also catch Good Things Live on C-Spire TV. If you got that, we are on Channel 70 right next to the Weather Channel, which will tell you it's hot in mississippi at least for for today and the upcoming days you can also catch good things in podcast form wherever you listen to podcast and today we're turning our attention to a bright young woman who is graduating from high school but she's graduating high school also with an associate's degree and a wealth of opportunity going on to her next uh, level of education we got tania buckley she is a senior at jackson public schools Tugalo early college um, high school and man you're going to be up to some good things so welcome glad to be here thank you and congratulations by the way one just on graduating I don't know do you get to walk twice if you graduate with your associate's degree or do
4: they just smorgasbord all of that into into one graduation it's two separate graduations the college has its own graduation and then we have our high school graduation last okay so talk to me
2: about how that works because I know a lot of high schoolers in Mississippi are getting that opportunity to go ahead and get a jump start on their education by or their college education while in high school so what opportunity was presented to you uh, to get that done in your four years in high school?
4: So at the JPS Tugler Early College High School, we do our first two years um, high school credits mainly and then we have one or two college credits being obtained during those two years and then our last two years are totally college. We are considered um, college freshmen and sophomores and we're taking all of the prerequisites in some of the first year and second year courses for our major. So what inspired you to do that? So it was really my ambition to get ahead and kind of challenge myself and beyond what I might have thought was cap- I was capable of because being in college while in high school is a challenge. So I was really just excited to see what experience I would get and hoping to prepare myself for the future. So do you still go to to the high school building? You just have your sort of college courses or are you
2: now going off campus somewhere your last two years? Sorry I think this is interesting just trying to learn it.
4: (laughs) So yes we're totally on um, Tougaloo College campuses and campus excuse me and we only go to our home school when we do extracurriculars such as um, band or any sports and mainly we take our courses at the college. So did you kind of did you miss high school at all, or were you just ready for that next level? I mean, we have our own unique high school experience, and it was really good for me because the classes are smaller, it's more focused, everyone knows each other, and it's a great support system. Um, but I guess the only aspect that I will miss is those during school activities, like if there's an activity block or a pep rally. Depending on your schedule, you may or may not be able to attend that.
2: Well, the good news is there's so much life after high school. So it's only two sort of small years, and you're definitely getting a jump start on that. And, yes, you're leaving with two degrees, but you've also been awarded a lot
4: more than that. So tell me about your scholarship opportunities. So I'm just shy of 4.4 million in scholarships. Um, I really think my all, all over my four years, my work and efforts have kind of, come to this event, it wasn't just a one and done type of situation. And am I answering your question? Yes, you are, absolutely. And really applying to those scholarships and making sure that I get my name and what my purpose is or what I think my purpose is out there really helped me get all the scholarship that I have. When did you start applying for scholarships? I started in my junior year towards the end getting in those outside scholarships but when it came to institutional scholarships I had to wait until the summer before my senior year and yeah so really starting early as possible. I did not really know about scholarships, like really the process of obtaining those scholarships until junior year, but getting it as early as possible is really important. Did you have great mentors or advisors that help walk you through that? Because I feel like there's a lot of parents,
2: grandparents, caregivers listening that may have juniors or seniors or sophomores coming up and looking for opportunities for supplementing or being able to go to that next level, and they're thinking man, I mean, you feel uh, where, you feel like you hit the jackpot, but I know a lot of your hard work can, you know, got them there, but where do you find like where did you find them where where were they coming from all of that for your scholarships
4: Yes, so my family was a big part of the support by sending me outside scholarships that they find on various sources, YouTube, Google, um, Facebook, just whatever they come across, they'll send it to me and also my counselor at school and outside family friends as well. They would just try to support me and make sure that I am aware of all the opportunities out there.
2: Now, I know a lot of them came from your academic success. That's obvious. I mean, you are definitely motivated to, to walk out with a high school uh, diploma as well as a college associate's degree, but I know some of these scholarships come too from from your work within the community and so that was one thing way way back in my day I mean if you're talking 20 plus years ago it was just getting started that like you know not everyone has the academic success that every other student has but there's so many scholarship opportunities if your kid gets out and gets involved in the community volunteers sort of has that kind of connection was that part
4: of uh, part of your purpose as well Absolutely. Um, the ultimate goal is making sure you're being a servant leader or a servant in any capacity, really. Um, for instance, the scholarship that I got at the university I'm attending is called the Stamp Scholarship. It wasn't a ACT requirement or GPA requirement. They interviewed you and they got to know some of the things that you're passionate about and how you want to serve others and impact the world. And that is a full ride. So really, your accolades in terms of academics are amazing, but also your holistic personality and how you go about attacking challenges and helping others is really what matters so what are you passionate about i'm passionate about helping others in any capacity really but When it comes to solving problems, that's when the engineer in me kind of comes out. I really like to look at something and see how can we make the most logical solution to this problem come to light? How can we get people together and obtain collective success for everyone? And ultimately achieve our goals whatever they may be so what's so have you have you decided where you're headed next yes I am attending the University of Mississippi to double major in electrical and computer engineering with the minor in mathematics hotty toddy hotty toddy
2: (laughs) (laughs) well uh, we appreciate man that you chose Mississippi to stay here and further your education for sure we were just uh, talking with Brian who was the aquaculture education there at high school um, Ocean Springs and you said you would probably have even enjoyed something like that to be able to do because you got a little marine biology interest in there so where do you where do you see yourself uh, Tania in what 10 Well, I'll say 10 years that's a long time you could have a doc like so what five or six
4: years like what's after you get your undergraduate what do you what's the big dream for you so I do want to pursue graduate education but also with the experience that I hope to get into my undergraduate research and um, internships I hope to be somewhat established not completely established but getting into my career and doing some of the things i want to do with engineering and sustainable engineering specifically so for the
2: parents that are listening and maybe their school has those dual programs and they're weighing the options for their kids or they have you know uh... wondering whether it's too much too soon or whatever would you change anything
4: absolutely not it was a great experience and it has surely helped me because you now have the opportunity to either expand on your educational experiences in undergrad or you can get through it and get to the next step. Um, With the two years being obtained while in high school, it kind of kills two birds with one stone, and it really helps you get ahead and have some flexibility in what you want to do after high school. And it's okay if you get there and you
2: change your mind on what you want to do as well, um, because I guess, because you're still, you would be, you're still 18, right? So you are an 18-year-old sort of going on. You're two years ahead, I guess, would be the way um, to sort of kind of look at it. Um, So what are you most
4: excited about? I'm most excited about the... The experience that I'll get in terms of student life and serving in a greater capacity outside of my high school, because when I, I believe when you get into college, it's not just school focused. It's really however big you want your impact to be, you can reach it, especially with the um, support system that you have at the university or college or whatever path you take after high school
2: well I'm sure as engaged as you want to be on campus there will be something there for you and for and for your interest okay so obviously studying and being smart is something you're passionate about but outside of school what are your hobbies what
4: do you where you spend your free time so, really, my hobbies are focused on community service. When I'm in my free time, I like to help people. For instance, I know this is academic-related, but I love to tutor people with mathematics. No, it's needed. So, a lot of, <laughs> yes, a lot of the time, I'll be... Um, tutoring someone whether it be 10 p.m. at night or anytime because it's something I enjoy doing um also just helping around the house and making sure that my parents have everything that they need and my sister as well I just like to help others so in any way that I can do that that's what I'm doing
2: I think you can also continuing the math tutoring when you make it up to make it up to Oxford. So, have you ever? So, this will be the first time you're leaving a home. Are you excited to change zip codes, area codes, all the
4: things? Live? Are you living? You'd have to be living on campus. You're living on campus. Yes, yes I'm excited for the experience of living alone because, of course, being um, in a house is kind of different from being on your own. And I'm really excited to see how I manage my time, how I who I become. Oh, you're going to become something great. Uh, Tania Buckley is a name we're all going
2: to be looking forward to. You're welcome back anytime and we'll be excited to see see where you go and, you. and how you use this education. Congratulations, Dad, too, who's in the room uh, for, for all the success your family has had. All right, you guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Can listen to good things we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm we're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app of course you can always find us too on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station and our Supertalk Mississippi news team is covering your Mississippi stories so stay up to date sign up for our weekly newsletter at supertalk.fm slash newsletter and you probably heard by now that former Miss Mississippi Holly Brand sadly her journey on The Voice has come to an end last night after falling short of receiving enough votes to make it into the top five but don't you worry she is not down and out yet and if you tune in tomorrow to get things around um, you will be able to hear holly and what she's doing next and her sort of look back on her time on the voice so it should be it should be a really good time speaking of music i found a highly sophisticated research article rhino from guitar Enthusiast. (laughs)
3: there we go
2: (laughs) which analyzed spotify's streaming data to gauge the most streamed artists over the last year here in the U.S. and looked at which of these artists were the most searched for in each state. Which, you know, you got all that data and you can just run it. This is where AI comes in and tells you useless information that you didn't need to know, but it's just kind of interesting to know. Tied in third place are two artists from completely different ends of the musical spectrum. So you have rock and roll icon who... Elvis Presley, which is crazy, right, that he is hes ranked top in Arkansas, Kansas, New Mexico, and the Magnolia State. Thank God it's the Magnolia State that's in there, right? <laughs> and then Puerto Rican rapper Bad Bunny. <laughs> So Elvis Presley and Bad Bunny, they tied for third, is in people's favorite in California, Texas, Nevada, and Florida. It is funny when you start, when you, I know stereotypes, you paint with broad brush, all things. But when you start seeing the actual data and the differences, but the fact that they were both tied for for third. Um, but, you know, I think Elvis probably would have been a fan of Bad Bunny. I don't know. I can't say that. I haven't, I have not, I have not heard any of his music, but apparently lots of folks uh have.
3: Well you know Bad Bunny's really rocking it in his music career when he's having to go to wrestling to get some attention.
2: So Bad Bunny was searched one point. I just don't see how many times I can say it Bad Bunny <laughs> What and I'm gonna up his Google search because everyone listening to Good Things who has absolutely no idea who Bad Bunny is, but he's right there in third with Elvis Presley. It's like, who is this guy? What does he look like? Where are we at? I will go ahead and say I have no idea what you're fussing to get yourself into if you Google Bad Bunny. So just take that with a grain of salt before you type that in and hit um, hit search. So, but he was searched 1.75 million. You're in
3: to- for a funny looking haircut. That's what you're in for. <laughs> well, First thing that popped up is him with a funny looking haircut.
2: Why? Well, you know. No, <laughs> it's, it's bad money. There, one point seven, um, one point seven five million times average each month over the last year, but Elvis beat him out at one point nine four million searches per month on average over the last year. Does that? I wonder. I wonder. If that has to do with the fact that you had the Elvis movie and then you had the Elvis movie win all the accolades and all the things at that but not saying that Elvis couldn't still be that relevant, prevalent relevant Relent. all the words all the words Th- now but it does feel like it feels like just about a every moment.
3: generation there's a resurgence and a, a, a re energizing of his fan base and an, a reintroduction or an introduction for younger audiences that weren't around when the king was still rocking and rolling like i remember growing up in tupelo hearing a lot of elvis seeing a lot of elvis but it, i didn't really dive into his music all that much until was it the was the gold album i just went blank on the name of it was it hits it was some elvis compilation that had a lot of his hits on one album so you could go through it and you could you could hear the different mm-hmm. eras you could hear changes in his style and that was the first deep dive I had into his music and that was middle school high school and you'd that that to, comes from somebody growing up in Tupelo
2: you'd have to think that the movie had something to spearhead it but how cool is that for because it's there's not a lot of music well i you know i guess wiser generations older generations let me just call it what it is um your music can be better shared for the most part with younger generations i guess it really wasn't until the 80s and 90s that music just got real unfamily family friendly the popular sort of trend trendy yeah rap. it started
3: about late 80s early uh, 90s you know
2: where it just got i mean Two even live crew well, I mean, it's just not something you want to sit down and just introduce your 10-year-old to. <laughs> back when Mommy was 18, this is what she was listening to, right? But you feel like Elvis and the older... um you know, what was I mean, popular back Elvis then, was, Or even the Beatles. I know it wasn't... Yes, he but, was
3: controversial in his own right.
2: Correct. But now... There are parents who would love to know they came in and all their kid was listening to was Elvis and the Beatles and all of these other sort of great names, even some of the earlier rock and roll stuff. It's like, oh, what wholesome entertainment you've chosen compared to let's keep some of the current popular whatever out of the out of the thing, Um, which, I mean, just goes to show how far the needle has moved in terms of what's appropriate
3: oh yeah it really wasn't all that long ago in the grand scheme of things that shania twain was catching flack for showing her midriff
2: right i agree can we go back to those things can we please
3: go back to that was far too scandalous for country music
2: (laughs) i know it's like please bring it back um (laughs) as a mom of two young girls please make modesty cool again um but you would think that if you had old albums or you still had cds that were greatest hits of elvis you found yourself getting to have those conversations with your with your kids and um playing the music and then you do spark which then you don't know like what kid gets sparked, uh, gets inspired by Elvis? You know, more now, or maybe not now, but you know, it's like a teenager now that may utilize that to to start their career or influence their own art, or they would have never heard it if it wasn't for you know the popularity sort of of the of the movie. Second place in the streaming data search thing was in seven states. You had Rihanna, which whoop whoop, you can sort of get that. And I I will give you two chances to guess the number one but i'm pretty sure you only need
3: it's either going to be one. Beyonce or Taylor Swift It's
2: Taylor Swift She was found to be the number one artist in 31 states but not Mississippi
3: cuz hey! we, we were
2: Elvis <laughs> Two
3: The point- Last Bastion of Sanity
2: million searches per month on average across America. Now, that's on Spotify, so that's not necessarily them searching.
3: Yeah, it's not like the billboard where they're they're checking sales and radio plays and all that stuff. They're just
2: searching her music to listen to it. It's not like they're, what is Taylor eating a day? What is Taylor's favorite perfume? It's not that creepy it's but it's just that they're looking for the songs or the music or the albums to actually listen to which i can appreciate as a fan of someone's music more than just searching them on google and that's not it this was just particularly sort of spotify but do you i mean would you say there's one artist or not that you would actively look to listen to during the I mean
3: I rarely if ever yeah. use Spotify and if I want to listen to a song I'll usually pull up YouTube find the song and listen to it uh, I've gotten past the point of allowing the algorithm to try to entertain me because it's always going to get it wrong
2: Derek and Greenwood my 13 year old knows a bunch of 90s rap grunge one rock there are worse things your 13 year old could be listening to that's that is definitely. For I mean, sure. we
3: survived listening to corn.
2: Absolutely, he's so angry you don't know what he's saying. You just assume he sounds like mommy after a really bad day. <laughs> 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 they, they just yelled. You just knew, like they were just so angry. You just, but you couldn't always put their words completely, uh, sort of together. And so it does
3: feel like heavy metal and and all the genres that sprouted off of it. They, it goes in cycles where every once in a while you'll have a popular artist or group come out that that uses the vocalizations that aren't really words but it's popular and it it catches on and then all of them are doing it and then it fades away and you have screaming or singing and then you get back to those vocalizations again.
2: Because it's got to be tiring just to scream for a living. I mean, I would feel like that would be like the Iron Man of vocal talents like you've got the yeah all three trying to happen sort of at once and to keep it up for however many hours how many every days a week how many whatever it would just be exhausting I would just it's just how I feel it's the only concert though I walked in and around and walked out was cornwood I was like nope not nope I do not I do not fit in here <laughs> I like the music but I am scared of what I see and turn around and walk to write out um but don't you walk out we got more for you coming up next watch good things we are on computer device. just head on over to super talking about music moving into movies it's national classic movie day how would you define a classic movie because you know there's definitions for like what like an antique car a classic car like once you cross over certain <laughs> whatever you're now considered classic but how do you define classic movie
3: i would say it's any movie that can exceed the limitations of its time and not feel dated, which I guess you could just say is timeless. Like, for instance, when you watch a movie and somebody pulls out a Nokia, like with the faceplate, or somebody pulls out a Motorola flip phone, it instantly dates that movie. So unless that movie is set in that specific time frame, it, it can take you out of it. Whereas, if you do a period piece and everything fits that period, it can be considered timeless, so you, you stay plugged in.
2: So, like Gone with the Wind, Aaron and Meridian said.
3: Gone with the Wind is oftentimes considered one of the top five, I would say.
2: Classic sort of movies. Yeah. Well, they consider, they being the Internet, consider uh, a classic movie is defined as a movie that is memorable or makes an impact on society. Which would be one a true classic movie impacts pop culture, influences society, and remains a part of our lives, and a classic movie is one that has or will withstand the test of time and remain memorable throughout generations. I got half of it. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Absolutely. But I would say some classic movies were cult favorites later on. They weren't necessarily,
3: you know. Yeah, hits. they might not have been box office smashes, but the the following they gained only grew. Because think about it. You go see a movie, you're all caught up in the moment. and it's, It was a great time. It was fun. Went to see it with friends or went to see it with loved ones. and But eventually it fades, and that feel-good fades, unless it was a really good movie where you and your friends or you and your family are quoting it back and forth, or it, it inspires you in some way to do something better or change.
2: Matthew the Bagpiper from Hattiesburg says, Spinal Tap.
3: The mockumentary.
2: And then someone else, Aaron and Meridian, also said Office Space. That's another
3: Anybody one. that has ever worked in any kind of office can empathize with at least one character from Office Space.
2: Is that, what, was, is that, was, what came first, Office Space or Office the TV show?
3: or the office. Uh, office Space was around before The Office, even The Office in England, which is the show that was copied for The Office in America. Gotcha.
2: But yeah, I think anyone who works with humans can relate to...
3: Well, it's not even like... Like you think of working in an office, you think of working in a cubicle. And they got that covered. There's all kind of different people in office space that work in cubicles that you can attach yourself to. But then you also have the other characters, like the workers at the restaurant with their flair. And anybody that's ever worked in the food industry knows there's some stupid gimmick you have to do while you're there, whether it's... Oh, we've got lunch specials. If it's not out in eight minutes, it's free. Here's a stopwatch. And you got to take the stopwatch to every table. Or, ooh, let's put some flair on your outfit. you got to have 14 buttons or you're not allowed on the floor.
2: Outlaw Josie Wells.
3: Clint Eastwood Classic.
2: Back to the Future. First Rocky, as well as Footloose.
3: The first Rocky was incredible. A yes. lot of people, Agreed. especially from my generation... And the younger generations, they've seen the Rockies out of order, or they might not have ever even seen the first Rocky. And they just think of the Rocky movies as boxing movies, which, if you think about it, the boxing doesn't take up a whole lot of the time in the movie. It's about the characters, Mm -hmm. and especially in Rocky 1, it does a really good job of getting you into the lives of the characters.
2: I agree with that. Spencer and Terry, Home Alone. Jaws! Terrifying Yes. Kept
3: how many people out of the water?
2: Absolutely. It's a wonderful lie. The Goonies. Yes. I totally agree. I introduced my daughter to another classic, which I don't know if you really call it a classic, but Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, streaming on Disney Plus, by the way, and it's one of those just family fun ones that if you hadn't introduced your kids to, they will laugh. And it's also not realistic in any stretch of the imagination, but you find yourself to have new affection for ants as we're coming up in ant season. Uh, this summer you're like oh auntie and then you're like die out of my yard but uh, but that was that was a I don't know if it would be considered a classic but it, it's a fun one
3: it feels sure. like once we got to the 90s and especially into the 2000s anytime a movie did anything positive whether it be the box office or it just got people talking the the critics and media especially were quick to add the instant classic label to it and I don't think a lot of those held up.
2: Still Magnolias. I also introduced Neely to that over the weekend. She cried, I cried. Meets all the requirements for classic. All right, stick with us. we get got more for you coming up next. You've got the boys with sports talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Good
4: things for
3: you it's good things for you Here's good things for you Give good things for you